Hello and welcome to the Beyond 1% podcast by Sir Robert McAlpine. In today's episode, we speak to two members of the Innovation and Improvement team. We speak to Bex Hodgson-Jones, Innovation and Improvement Director, and Rach Shaw, Innovation and Improvement Manager. In this episode, we had an insightful conversation around Bex and Rach's roles, the misconceptions around what they do, and some of the professional challenges they have faced during their time at Sir Robert McAlpine. We also discuss how innovation has been impacted by the pandemic, embracing change and a hypothetical discussion around how they'd spend a blank check to improve the industry. Please enjoy this conversation with Bex and Rach. Hello and welcome to the Beyond 1% podcast. I'm Naomi and I'm joined by my co-host Nick. Nick, give us a quick hello. Hello everyone. Nick's taking a bit of a back seat on this one, but I'm sure we'll hear from him. We'll hear from him. Um, I'm joined by two brilliant guests today. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, Naomi. Yeah, delighted to be here. My name is um, Bex and I'm Innovation and Improvement Director at Sir McAlpine. Um, I've worked with McAlpine 18 years, but not all doing innovation and improvement. Uh, about half of that has been in project delivery and half of that in, in change. Hi, Naomi. I'm Rachel Shaw. I've worked with um, SRM for two years now. Uh, working with Bex as an innovation and improvement manager. Brilliant. We'll stick with you, Rach. Can you just tell us a bit more about your role and what it involves, please? Yeah, sure. So um, innovation and improvement manager, it's quite a long wordy title. But basically, we're here to support the business with change, uh, which is quite a, a, a broad remit I suppose and it depends what's needed by the business and people within the business so it's changed a lot over COVID um, and the different challenges that that's brought really but trying to do things faster than we otherwise would to respond to challenges that we might find internally uh, legislative challenges stuff that's coming up in the market etc and work out well how do we we're all very busy people how do we make sure that our people have what they need to improve the way that we do things and, and to work in the best way but it takes many different forms thank you Rach Bex tell us a bit more about your role I'm sure it's quite similar to Rach but yeah Rachel's articulated it really well there's probably two kind of core elements to what we do um, one is making sure that, that you know, we keep the business resilient, so making sure that we've got the right future strategy and we do the right things to make sure that we, you know, we've got the longevity that we need in the business. Um, and then the second, which Rachel talked about, um, around uh, helping to improve, improve our performance, helping us get better. Brilliant. Thank you, Beth. OK, we're going to go in with some general questions just to get to know you both a bit better. So how does the work you and your team do translate to engineers, construction managers, design managers, office, office staff, etc. on site? So both on a daily basis and just throughout the year. We'll start off with you, Rach. So I suppose my kind of mantra being in this role is that I want to make sure that the things that I do and the things that I'm working on, I could easily say to someone and say, oh, that, you know, that looks easier for you. We helped with that. You know, that's kind of the, the theory behind um, why I wanted to do this role. And so I did this role in, in my previous company as well. And um, the whole kind of the purpose of it is to be able to to identify. If you look at your job description, you kind of say, right, well, these are all the things that I joined to do. And then you have this whole bulk of admin and stuff and processes that don't work and expenses that take ages to do and all, all that kind of stuff that actually, if, if all that was better, um, you would really enjoy your job a lot more and the more that we can do to help people um, so you know some of the, the change projects that we're supporting everything in the organization really focus on individual things like that so hopefully um, a number of them have, have kind of kicked off over the last year but hopefully within the next year or two we'd be able to say yeah that one helped you with that one and that one you know that that thing that's a lot easier for you now helped you with that so there's that side of it but then there's also where someone's got a good idea, and we, we're getting a bit of this at the moment, where they, they, you want to do something, but you don't quite know how to to enable it, how to deliver it. So you've got a great idea. You've seen, yeah, you've seen it happen somewhere else, but it's maybe not quite applicable in your project, but you know that it'd be really good on the next project, or it's something that you tried, but you want to make sure that the whole of SRM knows about this, and how do you do that? But 
you're about to go on your next project, you haven't really got the time to do that. That's not necessarily what you're here to do, but you, you would like to share that knowledge and to try and support people in in getting those improvements that then that then can transfer across SRM. So that knowledge transfer, which is always a tricky thing. Um, it's easy to kind of say, well, I learned it on my last project, so I can now deliver it on my next one. But how you then help people to something they learn on one project for the whole company to learn from, how we then, um, yeah, how we keep that internally rather than losing it to the to the company that we might have worked with to help deliver it. So, yeah, those, those kind of Have you spent much time on site, Rach? Well, I joined two months before COVID. <laughs> so um, we did a bit, we, uh, I did get to, to go to a number of sites in terms of trying to speak to people and work out well, what's important to them and what are the things that matter particularly to them. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit and uh, I didn't get the chance to go to site um, and then we started being able to go to site a bit more and then obviously um, as you know Naomi I got pregnant and so have been going to site less now <laughs> because of um, trying to to keep my risks down so so not not as much as I would have liked to I wish I would have got to go to more sites and um, when I'm back then hopefully that will be something that we can do a lot more hopefully when you're back Bex, how about you? How does the work you do translate on site? Yeah, so as Rachel's articulated, um, our role is about about making it (laughs) as exciting as we can and as easy as we can for people to adopt change. It can be quite exhausting, actually, adopting change into a business. So how we can make that as easy for our people as we can is really, really important. Um, the, The sort of two elements of impact isn't it there's the the really direct impact of what we do and Rachel talked about um, some of the things in the change program be it how we do our expenses or how we access information or or how we use tools to support inspection all sorts of things like that have a real direct day-to-day impact on people you know how we're engaging with our subcontractors how we collect feedback on our subcontractors impacting all of the roles really across the business but then indirectly the work that we do with the leadership team on future strategy, where the business is going, making sure that, you know, we have somewhere to work in the future has a really indirect impact, which um, people don't necessarily see and feel day to day, but is really very important. So, yeah, we, we have this um, day to day direct impact, trying to make things better for people day to day. And then we have that indirect impact of actually helping ensure the business continues to be successful. For another 150 years, hopefully. And many more. And many more. Yeah. <laughs> and many more. Okay, Rach, I'm going to go back to you. And it's a bit of a difficult question. So take some time to think if you need to. But tell us about a technically challenging experience that gave you an opportunity to grow. Um, all right. So I'm going to use something that's not uh, SRM. So I used to work with uh, RES which is Renewable Energy Systems, which is SRM's sister company. Um, and what we did at RES, or what RES still do very successfully, is um, development projects, large-scale renewables, wind, solar, uh, storage, etc., and development, construction, and then management of those. And within the UK, we were suddenly hit with um, subsidies being cut overnight. From my perspective, it was technically challenging for me because what we do is support people through change. A lot, you know, a lot of what we're doing, and this was a massive change that people weren't really expecting. And working with people that hadn't really had to change much before, and trying to help them through it, and trying to help people understand that because. Obviously, we've talked about the fact we help deliver these projects, but there's always people in place that, that project manage these things and who actually are doing the, the work. We're there to help work out what the gaps are and fill the gaps and help work out what is it that you need and how do we help you deliver that. Um, so it's working with people to help them to do stuff and working with people to help them realise that you're brilliant at what you do, but you're also really busy. And so it's not it's not a failure to ask for a bit of help. It's not you're not going to be looked down on or anything because you've already got 100% of your day job filled and you're now being asked to do this as well. It's purely how can we help you do that and do it at quick pace. So on one hand, it was quite quite tricky because there was a whole company that we had to try and, you know, get, get hearts and minds engaged and such. On the other hand, actually, we had a burning platform and it was quite clear that we had to change 
And sometimes that's really helpful. So knowing that we have no choice can actually really help with change. And I think in the construction industry, you know, we've, the construction industry has been around forever, right? And so COVID was perhaps that, that red platform of, okay, we've got to do, and you, you see those, those jumps in terms of, okay, we've suddenly done a lot more here to, to, to respond to that. But um, yeah, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. It's good having that burning platform because it gives you a really good way to galvanize people, but it does shock people quite a lot. And there's quite a lot of um, resistance as well. Absolutely. And we'll touch on that a bit later, Rach. Bex, can you tell us about a technically challenging experience that gave you an opportunity to grow? So it can be in the context of construction, um, if you'd like. Yeah, certainly. Um, just picking up on Rachel's um, sort of Rachel's comment there, I think this hero mentality um, thing that we have in in our industries are actually quite damaging. You know, we're, we're often really worried about asking for help. We think it shows weakness. Um, and uh, yeah, this is uh, something that we find particularly challenging in what we do. So te technical challenge. Um, I, I mean, early in my career, I, I worked on a lot of projects that were self-delivery. And I think any young engineer working on self-delivery projects will face a number of uh, really, really sort of technically um, challenging um, things. Uh, some of the projects that I've worked on have been hugely challenging you know I've, I've had the opportunity to work on you know buildings suspended over conference centers and you know really really exciting challenging projects but I would I'd agree with Rachel here I, I think the most technically challenging things that I've ever had to deal with are the ones that I've had people in you know it's it's the, the people challenges and you know we've, we've got one right now with COVID you know we are hugely um you know, we've been hugely reactive trying to survive, trying to deal with um, the um, the operational challenges of keeping things moving. While there is also a a will and a need to drive improvement and do things, and we've got we've got cost constraints on top of that. You know, so balancing all of those things and making that all work together is is really difficult. So. Yeah, this industry, we're never short of a technical challenge, are we? But um, for me, it'll always be the people challenges that are, that are probably front and centre and the ones that are most difficult to navigate. And I think we're probably finding that people are, are pretty tired of everything they've been asked to do yeah. over the last two years. You know, I mean, you've got enough change in your personal life, right, haven't you? Never mind everything you're, you're being asked to do at work. So helping people. A lot to that. juggle. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'm... I, for Bexy as well but we're fairly tired as well you know we've we've had to navigate the whole homeschooling and vaccine all, all this kind of stuff it's just yeah it's a lot I was gonna say people. I was going to say the same. I think probably the teacher's training has been the most difficult challenge this year hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bex can you tell us about the biggest challenge in your career so far so we've talked about like a technical challenge yeah, but what has yeah. been the biggest challenge for you? Yeah, so again, I mean, we're never short of a challenge. That's why we come into this industry. We um, we thrive on challenge. Um, I mean, I've delivered a number of projects where I've had back to back um, uh, liquidations and administrations, and had to um, and had to deal with them, and that's proved really challenging. But I think for me, it's the people challenge again. So it's dealing with with cynics really it's probably um probably the, the kind of biggest thing that um that we've dealt with and, and struggled with um somebody said something to me the other day actually in this space that really resonated with me and that i've got wrote it down it's a, a quote so beneath every cynic is a disappointed idealist and i, I really liked it because um actually in SRM and actually in the built environment generally we promise a lot of change you know we we understand our problems really well we're really good at sort of saying oh we're a wasteful industry we're not productive but actually we're not very good at um at working out what we've got to do to deliver it and make a real impact on it and that can make us really cynical and actually most people um <laughs> they actually quite like the change they want they agree with where we've got to get to there's good alignment there but what they don't necessarily um understand is how to get there in rates it's building on what you were talking about earlier really in terms of how can we make that journey understandable visible easy how can we identify what the first steps are so probably the the biggest challenge is is the cynicism it's the it's not not 
really believing that we can do it. Oh yeah, because you don't really I get think a, it's a really difficult job that you both do. Really difficult. You don't really get a resistance from systems and tools. You know, they can't say I don't want to change. They can't make it harder. Um, whereas people obviously have a lot of autonomy and a lot of choice. And so if, if someone doesn't want to do something, if you've not really clearly helped them understand why it might be of a benefit to them or, or to the company, then what what is in it for them? Why would they want to? Yeah. And, and change doesn't fail because um, because of a, a, a system or a process issue. You know, it is it's a people issue. So if you're putting in systems or process change and you're not thinking about everything that hangs around that, um, you're doing it wrong. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Bex, what would you say is the most misunderstood part of your role? Uh, probably probably some of the things that Rachel touched on earlier really it's the it's the fact that we are we are not here to do it ourselves not occasionally we lean in and we do delivery but for the most part we're not here to do it ourselves we're here to enable other people to to do what you know what they need to do um and that that can be a bit misunderstood and we've talked about this idea of kind of this hero mentality you know we like to empower our people to to kind of do everything and sometimes asking for help um can be seen as weakness and um so i think it's really all all around that it's people not really understanding what we do perhaps perhaps feeling that actually having us support to help them deliver what they need to deliver could be seen as a weakness and that potentially can make people feel threatened and you know there's all sorts of things that you know are around that um that sort of topic so probably that and also you know the these roles and roles are in improvement they've been around for a long time but um they are becoming more commonplace in construction but they are alien to a lot of people in construction you know if people talked about an innovation improvement manager a lot of people would be like, oh, what's, what's that what's what's it why do we need that we do that every day um, and it's 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 perhaps not really being familiar with that as a role in in industry. How can how can we change that, Bex? How can we make people understand what it is and what you guys do? Uh, I mean, there's a there's a bit of you, you've got to address things at different levels, and actually, you know, leadership helping with that message. A lot of it um, will come from from doing. A lot of it will come from actually working with people, making the difference. The stories that we tell each other will rewrite um, the the stories about change in the industry. And instead of the cynicism of um, you know, uh, well, we'll never do that. We'll never get there. We need to turn it into well, look, we, we've we've got there. We've done it. Um, so that that will help. It's, it's going to change. The, the industry has to change. We've got, you know, a huge burning platform right now. It, you know, the green agenda will mean that this role shifts and changes over the next, um, in the short term, actually. Um, so when you say the green um, agenda, we just ben, got to keep sorry. at it. When you say the green agenda, do you mean? So, so the uh, the need for the built environment to seriously address the the emissions really that uh-huh. we okay. that we impact yeah mm-hmm. you got anything to add to that Rach I guess just uh, listening to, to Beck speak there and just thinking how it's mm-hmm. quite often what I will find is is it's the people that we work with that then can see the, the benefit of what we do and so it's the individuals that you work with and the kind of um, specifically the input into the different projects or the different areas that we're doing and but then it's also it's difficult from an individual perspective to see the holistic benefit of something that happens. So from, from a personal benefit, you can see, okay, so I can see that your input here might, might help with that. Um, but you don't necessarily see how that input has an impact on the wider business. So for example, some of the stuff that we're trying to do is um, a lot of change projects either fail or they take too long or they go over budget. Or, you know, if you look at the stats around it, there's a lot of evidence out there now from from years and years of it, all all industries, to kind of show that actually, if you leave someone on their own to do something, they will get it done and they can do it, but it's not necessarily their priority if they've got a day job as well. Um, And so getting it done in in the constraints of what the business would like is quite tricky. And so we're there to try and create that bridge between right, these are our strategic 
objectives as a company. From a company perspective, it's really important we deliver X, Y and Z this year. And so how do we do that? And how do we check that the stuff that we're doing is actually going to deliver that? So whereas from an individual working with, they can see the benefit for them. They don't necessarily see, okay, and by by having this or and by by working with them, actually that's the wider benefit for the business. So I can see how, yes, by you knowing what all the projects are across the company and how each of them feeds into our strategic objectives, you can see, do we have any gaps? Do we have anything where actually we wanted to have done this in five years' time, but we've not been delivering any projects that might lead to that? And by having that view across everything and being able to to see all the different things that we're doing, how they're all going, and see where something might be taking more time, not necessarily due to the fault of the person running that project. It could be some an issue that is in you know, systemic in the, the business that we have to look at and that everybody is finding that getting resource from other departments is really challenging because everybody is so busy. Okay, so what could we do about that? How could we actually help more people rather than just specifically focusing on one project? So I think that's perhaps, a, a, you know, going back to earlier you questioned that, uh, a question you asked about the kind of misconception is is that we are responding to a lot of different stakeholders and we are trying to to make sure that we're doing something for the benefit of the business at the same time as the benefit for individuals in the organisation and mm-hmm. yeah, for the family, the board, etc. Um, and trying to pull it all together and, and but still show for each of those individual areas what's in it for you and, and how can this benefit you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that kind of balance of well, we need you to do something task. because it, it's good for the business. But actually, it's going to be really, it's going to be really good for you as well. Um, and just making that message really clear and, and simple, and doing it in, in a way that's as light touch as possible. You know, not interference. I think that's that's something else. It's like we're not not trying to interfere with what you're trying to do. If you're delivering this brilliantly and you're fine, great. Then let, just let us know. You know, if that's the case, just let us know what's happening so we can share that and we can help you share it and we can learn from what you're doing. Um, that that perception of getting people together to talk about stuff. Often people only get together to talk about something when they have a problem rather than when something is going really well. And if it's going really well, you should share it as much, if not more, than if it's not going really well and how, how you then bring different people and communities together to, to have those discussions. Yeah, lot, lots of different aspects of it, but, but definitely, definitely worthwhile. And it, it's a bit kind of, I I, I would was kind of said to Bex it's a bit like a preventative medicine you know how do you prove that something is having valuable impact when it's there to prevent things going wrong it's quite a challenge quite tricky do you find your role rewarding Rach do you find that challenge very rewarding when it does go right and you can see right we've done this and it's worked I do yeah um you know I think challenging is probably one of the big the important words in our role but um it's and it's also really tricky to to remember to look back at the things that have gone well and the things that you have managed to help and deliver i think within our role because you're always looking to the next thing to the next improvement and you're always trying to stay one step ahead of what that might be and how you might support it so that when the challenge comes along you're there you're ready you've got ideas etc that um you're never you're never happy. You're never settled with, okay, we're, we're done now. We can stop. We can just go back to normal because normal for us is constantly trying to change and push things forward. So it is challenging and you have to remind yourself to look back and think, okay, so what, what have we managed over the last year? Okay, we've done all this. This is great. Now what next? And, and to be able to to do that, that bit of, kind of self-reflection and, and pat yourself on the back a bit. But um I find it really interesting. You never work with, you never do the same project twice. You never do the same, you never work with the same person. Or if you do work with the same person twice, it's on a different thing. Or their their attitude to it might have slightly changed. Or your what your role is there to do has slightly changed. So it's, um, I would say it's always kind of using a similar skill set. So within this role, you tend to find people with a, a similar skill set or similar interest in terms of what they're interested in doing. But being able to apply that to different situations and scenarios, depending on what's needed uh, and being fairly flexible and agile in terms of being like, yeah, I could 
help with that here or, or no, okay, totally different need over here or completely different personality that we're working with. So we have to take a totally different approach. Yeah, definitely interesting. No day is the same. Bex, how would you say the pandemic has forced the construction industry to innovate? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like many industries, we've been, you know, we've been through a period of unprecedented disrupt disruption. Um, and from a initially, anyway, sort of short term, we've gone into sort of crisis mode and we've had to um, we've had to put some and innovate in some kind of really tactical spaces. So we've obviously had two key priorities. We've had the, the first and foremost priority around how do we make sure we keep our, our people safe on sites? And then the second priority around, um, well, actually, um, how do we reduce cost? <laughs> you know, so we've had sort of two uh, two priorities in that in that area. And like many other industries, we've had 60% of our staff at home, which means we've had to introduce innovations around digital collaboration. We've seen the fastest rollout of teams in, in SRM, you know, fastest rollout of a tool that we've ever done in the business. It's absolutely incredible. No one say that we can't adopt tools overnight because we have when we've got a good enough reason. We've gone paperless. I mean, who'd have thought we managed to do that? We, right. we're, not, we're not sitting there <laughs> printing anymore, are we? Um, Things like uh, remote inspection, 360 cameras, we were using them already, but the pandemic seen an acceleration of use in, in that kind of area. Sensors to support social distancing. So in terms of the keeping people safe, uh, all sorts of innovation in, in that space directly responding to that. Um, reducing cost. I think the challenge is, is some of the things that we've done to keep people safe have impacted productivity and are probably negatively impacting the cost base as well. So we've had more challenge in that space. So, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at different operating models. How can we bring the cost base down so we can be more efficient and we can, um, you know, we can we can build back stronger as, as people talk about. I think in the long term, um, that productivity challenge, the, the 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 green agenda, we'll see um, we'll see us innovating in spaces we we're already innovating innovating in, but we'll go faster. So things like uh, modern methods of construction, um, off off site, um, our use of data. Um, I think we'll start to see, or we're already starting to see acceleration in those spaces um, across the business. So I think um, it, it's obviously an awful um, experience that, that we've been through, but it's given us the burning platform. It's proven that actually we can rapidly in innovate when we've got that burning platform as a as an industry. And I, I don't know what it feels like to everybody else, but it really feels like we've got some momentum. We really have a willingness to try and change and to try and deal with some of the issues that have been there for a really long time. Um, feels like we're moving really quickly and, and COVID's almost given us more urgency than we had before, um, which I think we're going to need you know, over over the next period. So, um, yeah, if we can take some some positives from it, we've really proven to ourselves that we can change and that we can adopt things quickly and get them embedded into into the way that we work. When you sit back and think about all the change that we've been through and what people have done, it is quite amazing. And we don't really take that time to stop and think about, do we, Rach, as you said? But yeah, it's quite incredible. Have you got anything to add, Rach, to what Bex has said? Um, I think, uh, you know, the examples Bex brought up are, are, are brilliant. You know, the amount of innovation that that we have seen across our sites and that everybody is is, is just mm -hmm. doing naturally, that, that, yeah, they've got another reason for doing it, but actually we, we've innovate, we innovate across all of our projects anyway. It's something that we do as, a, as an industry, as a company. The bit that we want to try and do more of is to how we share that between our projects and how we learn from something on one project and then say, okay, well, that was a great idea. How do we make sure that if something happens up in a project in Scotland that we, we could learn from it down, down in London, for example? And, and, and we've got some brilliant things happening in the business like the Corn Connects and all that kind of thing that we've got to, to transfer that knowledge. So there's some great things happening to do it. Um, and, and also, how do we encourage to keep this pace? How do we keep this pace up? Because it's very difficult to keep a pace up without a little bit of an external push uh, for, for any of us, for us as well. Um, if you think about when you're 
if you're running and, and you're doing a race, you know, if you're on your own, then you're probably not going to be quite as fast as if you're in, in the midst of the London Marathon and you've got all, uh, lots of other people around you, right? It's that, how do we drive and keep that momentum and keep pushing that together so that as a company, we keep innovating together and keep pushing forward and we share those ideas and, and really inc- and, and thank people and encourage people for, for what they've done, like improve the way that we feed back to people on the the innovations that we've had and the impact that they have on the business i think that's something we could be we could be better at that, that a lot of people do things but they they and they have a really good impact but how we reward that and how we then say and how do we flag that to the rest of the business say look this is an excellent idea how do we do more of this and thank people for that and show them the impact it has not just on the bit that they're working in the project they're working in but actually the wider business as a whole i think those kind of things could help to push that forward yeah, you kind of read my mind there, Rach, because my next question was um, on that topic. But sorry, carry on, Beck. <laughs> so all I, all I was going to say is we can be really quick, can't we, when we talk about innovation to go straight to look how quickly we've adopted this tool and we've just done it. But actually, I think we can learn some other things from the pandemic, which are really interesting, um, more around the collaboration space and how we work together. Um, and, you know, as an industry, we've got some innovation to do and actually how we contract and how we collaborate and you know all of those things are obviously well known and well talked about but actually we've seen um, different conversations happening at a project level in terms of how we deal with these challenges because they're absolutely shared challenges and we've not you know turned to contract to work out how to do you know we've we've um, we've engaged in a different way to um, as an industry across the board in a different way to deal with them which is another real positive that we can take so we don't have to turn to kind of claims and being adversarial about how we operate we can actually work together to get to the right solution so um yeah sort of take take faith in how the industry is really pulled together to deal with this situation there are lots of positives, absolutely. So you kind of just touched on this, Rach, but I was going to say, you know, how do you encourage people to change? Well, if you think like sometimes when, people are reluctant to do so. Yeah, but if you think when the iPhone came out or when smartwatches came out, you know, people were so happy to adopt that because they could see what was in it for them. It was really simple, it was well marketed, it was a good message. You know, there's kind of there's some key principles around helping people to change, right? And if they can see why and they understand the reasons behind it, and you make it easy for them, and you're, you're there to support them through it, you've, you've cut down so many of those barriers. And so you, we often think of change as, oh, nobody likes change, but it's not true. People like change when they really see the benefit. Um, and I think that the struggle that we have often when, when implementing stuff within, within a business is we put effort into the new system but we don't put effort into our people and helping our people to understand why we've done this and what the benefit is. And it's not just, we talk about you know, communication, it's not just sending somebody 10 emails in a week saying, oh, this is happening, this is happening, this is what you must do. Properly engaging the people, properly finding out, well, what is it that you want to happen and why and what's the issues? So that if we're putting something in place, it's something that responds to one of their biggest issues, not, oh, well, as a business, we thought we'd do this rather than let's pick on the thing that, that really matters to you. So. I think finding out, and that's yeah, uh, when we first started uh, doing a lot of that engagement and trying to find out from the business, well, what is it that matters to you? Um, finding out from our people what are the key things that really irritate you on a daily basis that we could try and focus on, um, and 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 then putting the right projects in place to help with that. So there's a there's a bit of that that you can make change easy if you make sure people want it, but then also there's certain change that has to happen that people don't necessarily want, but it's due to legislation or it's due to you know procedures changing or, or needing to have a bit more uh, robustness around stuff so that we have greater visibility around you know how, how we're doing so there are things that happen that are harder to to um, put that kind of what's in it for me message across but again if you think of you know the different pillars of how you can support people if you make it simple if you make sure you support them through it that's the really key thing for me that that's where a lot of the effort isn't put in traditionally in terms of if you just ask someone to go away and deliver a system or a tool or a new way of working they can do it but where things fail is because they've not brought people along the journey and they've not understood how that's going to impact people properly and they've not understood how to support the people that are going to be doing this 
And I think people have a lot more choice these days than they used to. You know, it used to just be a case of you work for a business. If you don't like what we're doing, tough, lump it, you know, you, you, you're based within that area. You, you're not so flexible in terms of where you can work and such. Whereas now, people have more flexibility, you know, even in construction, people have more flexibility about where they go to. And if they don't like the way the company is treating them, they can do more about that than perhaps in the past. Um, and so it's people have more power to respond to change. And so we have to put more effort in to make sure it goes well. Yes, it's really interesting. What would you say, Bex? How do you encourage people to change? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things to, to kind of note here is it's really important that everybody understands their responsibility. Um, so yes, when we're talking about sort of everybody, sort of the, the sort of global, uh, it's about all the things Rachel talks about, making it easy, making it exciting, being authentic, telling the stories, identifying what's in it for them, all of that stuff. Um, but actually, when we look at the kind of other areas of the organisation, it's really important that the, the leadership um, understand the part they play in helping people through this journey and you know it's not all about how how we help people it's actually about actually what are the roles the other people playing so part of our role is helping leadership deliver the things that they need to do to support people in adopting change um and then we we also talk and again we've talked about this a few times um when we've been talking about that actually we don't we don't deliver the change it's not our change right <laughs> so how we can support people and we talk about ownership a lot in our in our organization and I like to move us away from talking about ownership but actually talk about authorship you know we want the the people who who are um who are in our business to author the change to own the, to, to really feel like it's theirs so part of our skill set the skill set and and the, the things that we try to do is really tr trying to ensure we've got that authorship in particularly in the sort of middle management level across the organisation, those people that really will be the crux to whether um, we can land this in the business. So we've almost got three tiers. We've got our leadership team. We've got what I would call the, the, the middle management or the, that tier below just the leadership team where that authorship thing is really, really important. And then we've got how do we make it easy, accessible, um, you know, make sure we identify actually how does it impact the people on the ground and what's in it for them with everybody else and we've just got to make sure we support those three layers through through the journey yeah it's a lot for you guys to juggle it really really is that's why we do this job though we love it we love the challenge um, <laughs> you love it no, you always yeah. find it very rewarding but <laughs> you're very passionate about what you do so bex if you had five million pound to use in the construction industry in any shape or form you want how would you spend that money five million <clears> ten million whatever you need you tell me Oh, well, my first challenge was going to be, can I have some more? Um, so yeah, five million pounds doesn't, doesn't seem like enough, does it? Um, oh, well, look, I'm in innovation and improvement. It only seems right that I, I kind of stick stick to my, my guns in, in some degree. So um, the construction industry, we're responsible for 40% of the greenhouse gas emissions in the, in the built environment. Okay, we've got a massive challenge to do in this space. So I think... Um, I would have to, um, you know, create something which allows us to prioritise ideas to support the, you know, the, the areas where we've really got to make a difference. So whether that is, you know, that that net zero challenge, whether it's productivity, social value, perhaps even levelling up, you know, that's a sort of key area. And actually, you know, and Rachel touched on this earlier as well, that how we share knowledge, being a project based um, you know, a project-based industry me, is, is really, really difficult and how we can actually level up and how we can support not just UK, but globally, us kind of raising the bar together. Huge, huge challenge for our industry. So if we can prioritise ideas, remove the blockers in these spaces I mean that will be, you know, that that's amazing. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't decide what that, that that money was spent on but I would create a a, 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 a a kind of process or a hub which allows those ideas to come to life so we can spend it in the right places to try and address some of some of those challenges 
it's a bit of a cop-out answer isn't it but you know that's that's a working innovation so that's, that's kind of uh, where I'd uh, where I'd like to go with it <laughs> thanks Bex Rachel how do you spend your five million uh, well, linked to what Max was saying, just remind me of a conversation we had the other day with um, Simon Richards, our head of sustainability, and how he's talking about, you know, we have ideas within our, our group, but actually to, to truly, truly understand what we're doing, we need to, to talk to more people, we need more diversity in terms of where these ideas come from, and that, not just diversity from within SRM, but the collaboration with our suppliers, our clients, and, you know, how do we get ideas from all these different places, and some of the projects that we've done internally, you know, I'm going to, uh, uh, in terms of the right wording of this, I'm probably not going to get this right, but where we've supported people who are maybe kind of on probation, where you know they, they, um, they're looking for a new start in life, and how do we put, put money into that? And, and just to create people, to create a business where we've got people from different walks of life and greater diversity in terms of what we're doing, and help to support people to join the industry that wouldn't necessarily think of doing it. You know, if you think of teacher programs where they, they spent quite a lot of time actually trying to get people from other industries into teaching because of how much of an impact that could have on the kids to have just a different perspective on, on life and a different perspective on stuff and I know that when I was looking I can think back to, to school days when I was looking at what jobs were out there none of the jobs that I had done in my life did I know about when I was that age um, and, and nobody I knew knew to Put point me in the direction of those jobs. Either, you know, there's so many different um, jobs, and there's so many people that we could bring into our industry to help fund those ideas. I think, and, and to fuel that kind of different different perspective, um, that putting some funding into that. Again, you know, not quite sure what to spend the money on, but I think some of those projects and programs that we've got, where we're going out to schools, we're going out to to support people that are maybe a bit down on their luck, or you know, how we. Um, how we encourage a di different diversity of mix because that's how we're going to get different ideas and, and different um, different ways of doing things. And yes, we've been around 150 years. We are, uh, you know, a great company, and I you know, love working with them. And I think it's brilliant. But I think all the stuff that we're doing around improving that diversity of mix is, is also great and will help us immensely in the future. Rachel, what advice would you give someone that's, you know, maybe at school or university that would be looking to go into a role like yours or Bex? What advice would you give them? I think I always used to think when I was younger that it was all about the kind of the education or the, the qualifications that I had. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, I know they say this a lot, but the experience and the experience of, of doing different things has really helped me. So having my degree was zoology. It, it isn't really linked to what I do now, but it actually has so much oh. had so much benefit in terms of learning more about human behaviour and learning more about environmental stewardship and that side of things that you can apply to, to many things today. Um, and then, you know, worked with a consultant and so I've done, I've done different roles, but again, didn't really know about them back then. So I suppose it's just that keeping your eyes open that what you think is an option. There are so many different jobs available. I remember finding out that you know diving uh people that do diving for building work you know that they're specifically around people that dive and go to you know construction underneath them it's like wow I do, how is that possibly a specific job that, that you know you've never heard of there's so many different things that if you just work out what is it that you like to do and what your skill set is you don't have to think necessarily what is the job but more what am i good at and and not necessarily really good i'm good at maths mm -hmm. but well i might be good at talking to people or i might be good at translating a conversation between two different people or helping somebody else to understand what they're struggling with like that those that skill set is as important as being able to do a calculation or something you know working with people and and being able to support people through things is not something that should be overlooked because it is as we move more to a virtual world we've got different people of different mixes talking to each other and working together almost as much more important than it used to be in the past because you have got a much more diverse mix working together so yeah just just looking at what your skill set is and, and not worrying too much about whether you know exactly what you're going to do right now that's really really good advice Bex what are you looking forward to most professionally or personally in the next three to five years well yeah we've 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 talked about it at various points during um, during the call, really. Um, the construction industry and the built environment, 
has got a huge opportunity to deal with some really long-standing challenges that we've had for a long time. We've got the burning platform, like we, we absolutely have to act and we will be at the front and centre of the journey over the, the, next, um, the next 10 years or so. Um, Rachel touched on skills. We, 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 everything we do needs to change. We, you know, we, we, we need to learn new skills across the industry in order to, um, to, to sort of deal with the challenge ahead. Um, so for those uh, those green skills, whether it's in design, delivery, um, how we automate digital skills, they'll all be really, really important for us um, in the future. So I do feel like we've got a bit of a perfect storm as, a, as an industry. And for somebody who enjoys change, improvement, disruption, that's that's a fantastic opportunity and a fantastic um, prospect. And, uh, you know, we we've got so much opportunity as an industry we really do and i want to be here to help mcalpine get through that but also you know help the industry grow and get through that and really make a huge impact on society moving forward which we you know we always have but right now they 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 need us so um yeah uh, it's definitely Exciting. navigating that personally i'm uh, I've, I've got i've got two very active kids um and uh, you know, I I look forward to to kind of them growing up and them challenging me um, as they do every day now. So yeah. Oh, brilliant! Great. What are you looking forward to? You've got lots to look forward to very shortly, I'm sure. <laughs> I was going to say, personally, um, hopefully a smooth a smooth birth and an easy third child, Mary. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Everything crossed Fingers for you. Crossed. <laughs> um, but actually, I, you know, having been on maternity leave before, I think the first time I went on that leave, you worry when you come back, like, oh gosh, I'm going to remember how to do my job and am I still going to be needed? And there's all these, you know, concerns that you have because you want to take time off to have your baby, but then you also don't want to lose your, your brain and your skills. And, and I, you know, I love working. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I think having been off before, I know that um, when I come back, then there will be good stuff to come back to. And I'm really interested to see what have we managed to move forward because there's, you know, some things, some things is not, not, not a challenge for you, Bex, but, you know, <laughs> where have we got to? Um, because some things move forward much quicker than you expect. And it's only when you take a step back and you look and you think, wow, that, that worked really well. I wonder why. And then that one we struggle with a bit more. I wonder why. And then to be able to actually look at the reasons behind. Okay, so that, yeah, that's how we can, that went well because of this and then we, we push it forward a bit more and, and that that maybe needs a bit more support but i think we're working within srm obviously we've got some legacy systems and some, some stuff that we need to just deliver um and we're getting on with that now and we're making really good progress and i think once we've focused on some of these key key areas that that opens up much more exciting stuff for the future where we can then ask our people to actually um, like Rex was saying, you know, all the challenges that we've got coming up in the industry, um, but they're, they're really exciting challenges. They're ones that our people are really ready to and already responding to. Um, and so how we then can shift support more towards that and how we do, how we do, um, how we innovate and how we push forwards in, in different spaces. Really looking forward to. I mean, like I said, my degree was zoology. Same booty consultancy, you know, in the past. So, being able to support with our, our journey to net zeros would be really important to me. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. Yeah, well, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. But Bex, you mentioned you've got two very active children. How do you juggle that being a mum and doing a job like yours? Because both sound very full on. How do you juggle that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hugely, it's hugely challenging, but. Um, I'm I'm very lucky in that uh, I've got a very very supportive husband. We we made a decision very early on when I came back to it that we would both work four days a week. So um, that gives me the day that he's with the kids that is completely flexible for for work. I can work as as much as I need, and then I've got a day with the children um, as well. And then the other three days we juggle and we manage like everybody else, but. Um, lucky that um, work in a very understanding business that you know family is very important and that's that's really important to me and that's an ethos that we um, we make sure that we've built into into our team um, I, I joke that um, you know I'm probably one of the few families um, of you know when, when my little boy was younger too some of his first words were outrigger 
and tower crane and you know he knows a building site <laughs> so uh you know there's the natural blurs between work and home uh, you know a lot of my colleagues have met my children um and actually that's one of the beautiful things that the pandemic has given you know the insight into people's families' life and it's acceptable for for that to happen um as well and you know that's a, a real positive as far as i'm concerned too so yes it's challenging but you know be honest authentic you know our team all work really hard and you know if we've, we're running off to a nativity or whatever it is fantastic i i kind of support um support that through and through so yes it's hard but you know that's that's the the way it is yeah we're, we're very lucky to have that flexibility yeah um rach how do you juggle everything um i very similar to bex i suppose i mean the, the whole you know the the push for diversity within the business and the push for equality i think is really key i think when we get to the point where it doesn't really matter if you're male or female you still ask that question um is is really key so um i i know that our, you know i'm about to have some time off but but that we've now got policies in place where it doesn't matter what sex you are or, or you know who had the kids um that you can take that time off and and it's it's expected that you're there to look after your children as well and that and that equality and that flexibility um i think is really important because yeah i i love my children but i also love leaving them and going to work <laughs> um, so it's it's really nice to have that balance and i think having um with the pandemic obviously it's, it's created huge challenges but has helped to push that flexibility and that flexible working agenda and just that understanding of you don't necessarily there are certain things you have to do and then you have to be there physically for but they're also you know if you individually need to be able to just take a t some time off in the day and then finish something off in the evening that's okay and just the that you're not by doing that you're not expecting other people to work those hours and you're not putting that that expe expectation on them you're just going to say look for me and my family this works and i'll still deliver and that we move more towards a output focused expectation on people rather than presence so it isn't am i in the office from 8am to 8pm every day maybe working hard but maybe not you know but it's it's not about am i present it's what am i delivering what value do i give them? and as long as you're able to demonstrate that value and that the value that you give the company i think it's really important so yeah for me knowing that that there's there's that mentality within our team that it's about what you give rather than whether you're physically there uh, uh, you know between nine to five every day I think is really important and I think yeah having an understanding company one that really does promote family values really helps um and also having a, a very uh, helpful support network around us of, of family and friends is also yeah. very useful to draw on I was gonna say thank you both for taking the time to come and chat to us I think it's so important that you do get to share with everyone else what you do because it's all very undercover behind the scenes but what you do is so so important so thank you both so much for taking the time to come and chat to us i've learned a lot don't know about you nick it was good thank you very much ladies appreciate it <laughs> thanks Pleasure. for the opportunity guys it's been brilliant yeah it's great thank you both thank you we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with bex and rach please reach out to us on at we are on twitter instagram and facebook and Sir Robert McAlpine on LinkedIn with any feedback or guest suggestions. We love if you shared this podcast with your networks too. Thank you for listening and we look forward to sharing more episodes with you soon.